chapter 9, verse 32. And we're going to be in this chapter this morning. It says like this. It says, And they went out, and behold, they brought to him a man who was mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It is never, we have never seen like this in Israel. But the Pharisees said he cast out demons by the ruler of the demons. And then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every manner of sickness and disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and they were scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Lord, give us ears to hear today and a heart to understand. Lord, right now, arrest every heart today by your glorious truth. Help us to leave this place changed, delivered, and set free. In the power of Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. As you're seated, smile to somebody and tell them good morning. Hallelujah. One more time, we want to say thank you uh, to those of you that are here today, those of you who are watching online. God bless you. Take a moment to share this. And I know it'll be a blessing to you. This morning, it's hard to believe March is already upon us, isn't it? It's hard for us to believe March is already here. It seemed like Christmas was just a few days ago. And before you know it, Easter season will be knocking on our door, which, by the way, you'll be hearing more about that in the next few weeks. Uh, But we're excited about what God is doing. Uh, As I told several of you uh, last week and even the week before, uh, as I was praying about, Lord, what is it that you want me to share uh, over the next few weeks, and I was thinking about a series of messages and, and those types of things. The Lord just would not give me clearance. He would not uh, allow me to land in any certain area. So I said, okay, God, it's been a while since we've done this together, but let's do this. And because God speaks to me a certain way, but sometimes God wants to break you out of your box. Amen? And uh, sometimes he wants to get you out of your comfort zone. So I said, okay, God. And so um, I, I, it's hard for me to explain where I've been over the last week. Uh, you've got to understand that I have, I have been personally in a very intimate place with God. Um, I've been in a secret place. I've been in a place of seeking God's face um, like never before. And I want to explain to you what I mean by that because I believe what God is getting ready to do in the earth is significant. I believe what is about to happen is significant. And I believe we have to have ears to hear, and I believe we have to have a heart to receive what it is God is going to do in this season of the world. I don't know about you this morning, but I sense an anticipation in the world around us. You know, I believe that Jesus is coming very soon. And I believe right now that if you could hear in the realm of the Spirit, I believe you could hear that, that, that trumpet that the Lord Jesus will blast one day is being shined right now and being ready. I believe that though the scripture says no man knows the day nor the hour that the Son of Man will come, the Bible does say that we will know the times and the seasons which are among us. And I do believe that there are so many things right now that are significant that you and I have to have our ears tuned to heaven. We are in no uncertain terms right now entering into a new season in the church. You better hear me this morning. The season of the attractional model of church where everything is me-centered is not going to help people in the season we're in right now. 
People need the gospel. People need help. And beyond that, people need hope. Because there is coming a day, my friend, you need to hear me. We live in the dispensation of grace, and we live in the dispensation of mercy. But there's coming a day where grace and mercy are going to pass the microphone to judgment, and every man will stand in front of a holy God. Friend, that right there ought to shake us to our very core. And you and I have to make sure that we're ready to meet the Lord. It's so Vitally important for us. This week as I was praying, I I spent a lot of time just kind of zoned out and and just allowing God to just speak to me clearly. And I remember uh, just going about my week this week, and I hadn't shared this with really anybody. But as I began to pray and seek the heart of God, and I, I found my eyes filled with tears as I began to think about this place that I used to be with God. Now, I'm not speaking of a fact that I had backslidden or anything like that, but God stripped me back away to a place where I first found Him. It was a beautiful place. It's a place where there was no cameras in your face. It was a place where there was no podcast. It was a place where there was no YouTube channel with 12,000 subscribers. It was a place where there was no church to pastor. It was a place where nobody was around, but it was an intimate place where you only long to see one more soul come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And God began to take me back to that place of saying, Brad, I'm not referring to you as pastor. I'm referring to you as son. I'm taking you back to this place of realizing that I am coming soon and you've got to tell the people to get ready. It's so vitally important, my friend. You've got to understand as we watch the news right now, the world is inundated with Russia and Ukraine, which is a very, very viable thing. We need to keep our eyes upon it. But one thing that we have to realize is this, is that it came out in the news last week and it was very brushed under the rug. But China knew about Russia's advancement into Ukraine and they actually asked them to wait until after the Olympics. It was sweeped under the rug. I bet you didn't hear that on CNN. But also, what you have to understand is while the world's eyes are focused on Russia and Ukraine, we are not turning our attention to China, which, by the way, is watching to see how the world responds because they want to do the same thing to Taiwan that Russia did to the Ukraine. And you've got to understand, the Bible talks about before the coming of the Lord that the great nation of Russia, the bear, the people of the north, the Gog and Magog, the Bible talks about aligning themselves with the kings of the east to make war against the world. And I'm not saying that that's about to happen right now, although it does seem like the nations are aligning. But what I am saying to you is this, is that it's important for us right now to get involved with the Father's business, to get involved involved with the matter of the matter, keeping the main thing the main thing, and that is making sure that men and women know who Jesus Christ is. Come on, somebody. I've entitled this message this morning, A Heart for the Harvest. A Heart for the Harvest. I'll tell you what, this week, and I, I begin to, to say, Lord, take me back to that place. Take me back to that place where nothing else matters but one more soul. 
This week, I spent time focusing, trying to go places I normally don't go and to see people I normally don't see. And I'll tell you, I was very encouraged because I happened to happen into a place of business this week, my son and I, on Saturday. And, and I went in to pay my little fee, and the woman at the counter, she said, she said, are you the preacher? I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She said, I've been looking for a great church to go to. We were able to give her a Bible and a book and, and encourage her in the Lord. Let me tell you something. When you get to looking for souls, fish will begin to jump in the boat, my friend. I'm telling you, it doesn't take much to open our eyes and look around us and see the lostness and hurting humanity that is around us. The world is broken, and they need the answer which is found in Jesus Christ all of us shouted God I wish I didn't have to think like this I wish that, that I, 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 I was more on the spectrum of things as other people, but I can only be who God called me to be. I can only see how God called me to see, and I'm going to call it like I see it this morning. I rejoice on the 23 opportunities to share with speed the light. I, I rejoice at the five, but my heart breaks for the 18. My heart breaks for the 18 who reject the Lord Jesus. Why? Because the Bible says that there are two places that a man can spend eternity. One place in a place called heaven and another place in a place called hell. And you don't go to heaven because you're good and you don't go to hell because you're bad. You go to hell because you reject the Lord Jesus. And you go to heaven because you accept the Lord Jesus. And my friend, let me tell you something. Jesus said, narrow is the path that leads to everlasting life. Friends, what I'm telling you this morning is more serious than anything you've ever heard all week. It's more serious than the cure to COVID. It's more serious than the cure to AIDS. It's more serious than all of those things because the cure to sin is to be washed in the bloodstained banner of Jesus Christ. It's important. One more soul it's what God's heart is beating for. I want to tell you, as we begin to look at our passage, go back with me. Matthew chapter 9, all of that was introductory today. Matthew chapter 9, verse 32. The Bible says, and they went out, and behold, they brought to him a man, mute, demon-possessed. When the demon was cast out, the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It's never been seen like this in all of Israel. But the Pharisees began to mock Jesus, and they said, He cast out demons by the ruler of demons. And then Jesus went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every manner of sickness and disease among the people. But look at verse 36. Here's what I want you to see this morning. When he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion for them. For they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. This morning, as we're talking about having a heart for the harvest, I began to look at this and I began to say, okay, Lord, what is it you want me to share today? What is it that you want me to pull out of this? Because I believe God's word has so much revelation, so many things that we can apply to our lives. But I said, Lord, what is it that you want me to see in this today? And the first thing that I saw in this, number one, is we must see the harvest. We've got to see the harvest. Somebody say that with me. We've got to see the harvest. There is spiritual blindness on the eyes of most people today. Tell you what, I'm just going to be honest with you. 
The problem in the church today is not boldness, it's coldness. We're so focused on ourselves, our agendas, our plans, our schedules, all of our things, and we fail to remember that the majority of the Lord Jesus' ministry was interruptions. Interrupted on the way to another man's house by a woman with the issue of blood. Interrupted by a funeral procession at the woman at Maim whose child has died. Interrupted by all these things. But listen, we will never reach the harvest if we fail to see the harvest. Many of us today, COVID-19 has not helped it. Kept us isolated in our homes for two years, majority of people. If we did get out and go somewhere, it was in and out and and forget about it, failing to realize there's something more contagious and something more damning to the body than COVID-19. It's when people die and pierce eternity and go into a blazing hell not knowing Jesus Christ, my friend. It's easy for us to get busy and to walk through life with our head to the ground, not seeing the single mom who's struggling and and selling her body on drugs and with, with drugs and selling her body for money to feed her kids. It's easy for us not to see the drug addict. It's easy for us not to see those who are broken and lost. But my friends, the Bible said that Jesus saw the multitudes. I want to encourage you today. There are more lost people in the world than there are saved. You say, Pastor, that's not very encouraging. Yes, it is. It's job security. The problem is we don't believe it because we've preached the gospel that says everybody's saved and everybody's inherently good. The problem is that's secular humanism. The Bible said that there's none good, no, not one. Only Jesus is good. And in our own flesh, our righteousness has a filthy rag, my friend. But you and I have to realize the only answer to humanity's problem is the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Whoo, my Lord we got to see the harvest. I'm asking God to give some of us spiritual cataract surgery this morning to help us see people like he sees them. we got to see them with a soul. we got to see them with an everlasting spirit. Let me ask you the question. We've all been guilty. How many times do we go through our life bumping along? Chatting with people in the locker room, in the, in the gym, in the high school, in, in the college, at the, at wherever we may be in life. And, and we, we shoot the breeze, but yet we forget and fail to realize that person has a soul. You've got to see the harvest. I want you to notice something. Look at it with me. Notice this. Verse 36. Are you ready? The Bible says, when he saw the multitude. He was moved with compassion. When he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. I'm I'm, going to say it one more time. When he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. Uh, The word compassion there, it, it simply means to be sympathetic toward or to be affectionate toward because when Jesus looked out at these people here's what he said it was like this is not coming from the greatest pastor on the earth this is coming from the great shepherd the Messiah himself Jesus said they were weary do you know people without God are weary today they're weary without hope Matthew 24 says that in the last days men's hearts will fail them because of fear 
They're weary and they are scattered like sheep that have no shepherd. There's been an attack in the last days on the, on the, on the purpose and the priority of the local church. The devil has sown seeds of, of misinformation towards people that say things like this. We don't need the church. We don't need the fellowship. We don't need those things. But guess what the Bible says? Where there is no shepherd, the sheep scatter. And Jesus said these people were like sheep without a shepherd. The moment that he saw the lost, he was moved to action. Friends, can I tell you something? I pray to God this morning that he would baptize you in a fresh dose of reality, that you would not just dream about the portals of heaven, but that you would sense the tips of hell as flames jump out of the bottomless abyss and men's lives and their spirits eternally are tormented. It's a place of eternal separation for the damned. I'm telling you the glimpse of hell would make the greatest evangelist in this world today if a person could just glimpse it for a moment they wouldn't want their friends to go there they wouldn't want their husband to go there some of y'all in this room are trying to win the world you won't even make your kids go to church come on somebody I'm telling you right now we've got to have a glimpse of hell because people are going there 18 out of 23 think about it There's a late renter at Ravenhill who said this. He said, we must preach as dying men to dead men. The harvest is truly plentiful. Not only do we have to see the harvest, number two, you ready for this? We got to prepare for the harvest. How did Jesus prepare for the harvest? He went about preaching. He went about teaching the gospel of the kingdom. He went about healing the sick. He went about casting out devils. He went about doing those things. He went and prepared for the harvest. That's what he did. He went out and he preached the gospel of the kingdom. Friend, we've got to prepare. See, every farmer will tell you that, that you've got to see it before you see it. Every farmer, when he goes to buy a field, it, it's not, most of the time, it, it's not already a, a pleasant looking piece of land with crops on it. A farmer goes out and he looks for a prime piece of real estate and he envisions, man, one day a harvest would be good right there. That's what happened when our forefathers came to Woodward, Oklahoma and started a church where there was not one. They saw some land. They saw a place. They saw a people, and they were moved with compassion. They saw a harvest before they saw a harvest. Friends, let me tell you something. We've got to see a harvest before we see a harvest. We need to begin to see our row full. We need to begin to see our section full. Some of us need to become so unsatisfied with coming to church with empty pews. And by the way, the reason why we have empty pews is because we have empty vessels. And the reason why we have empty vessels is because we've not allowed the Lord to fill us with the power of evangelism to go out and reach and change a lost and dying world. My friends, when you get a glimpse of eternity, you'll be a soul winner. Who am I preaching to this morning? We've got to see the harvest. And then we must prepare for it. That, that farmer goes out and sees that land. What does he do? He gets the tiller. He begins to plow. And in that plowing season, it's, it's hard. It's difficult. Because the moment when you, you begin to plow the ground, no matter how pretty it looks on the surface, you begin to understand that there's a lot of things underneath the surface. 
where weather and earth and pressure and things have pressed rocks and roots have grown, grown down. And guess what? Seed will not grow right in that kind of soil. You've got to go in and you've got to prepare that soil. You've got to go in and break it down. You've got to go in and you've got to turn it over. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? You've got to go turn it over and you've got to allow the Lord to work on it. I'm talking about spiritually now. Why? Because the book of Haggai says this. He said, break up the fallow ground of your heart so that the Lord can come and rain righteousness upon it. We, if we want to see a harvest, we got to make sure the ground is prepared for the harvest. Let me ask you a question this morning. Is your heart prepared for the harvest? Is your heart prepared for the harvest? You say, Pastor, my heart is not prepared for the harvest. Then I want to challenge you this morning to ask the Lord to make your heart prepared for the harvest. I'm going to say something that's going to shock some of you. The reason why we don't have more conversions in the church today is because Mr. Weepy Eyes and, and Mr. Travail is absent. So therefore, Mr. Weepy Eyes and Mr. Travail is absent. Mrs. Prostitute and Mr. Drug Addict are too. Come on, somebody. But when the church prevails, sinners will get saved. When Zion travails, the scripture said, she brings forth her children. The Bible said weep. Joel, in the book of Joel, he said weep between the porch and the altar and weep for God to outpour his spirit. Friend, let me ask you a question. When's the last time you soaked your pillow in tears at night for your lost grandkids, your lost sons, your lost daughters? When's the last time you went to God and skipped a meal or two because seeing a soul come to the kingdom of God was more important than a Big Mac or a Happy Meal? Come on, somebody. When's the last time you really dug in and said, Lord, I'm not where I used to be. Change my heart, God, and prepare my heart for the harvest. When's the last time? When's the last time, when's the last time we've asked the Lord to break up our hearts? Statistically proven, people who win the most souls are those who have been converted for 90 days or less because they're still fresh in their salvation experience. They remember what it was like to be lost. But friends, I, I think we fail to realize sometimes Jesus in his own wisdom in the Gospel of Luke, gives us the story of the trilogy of lostness. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. The lost sheep was lost in the field. He had wandered away from the flock. The lost coin was lost in the house, and they had to sweep the house to find it. The lost son, or really you could say the lost sons, there were two sons who were lost. One was in the field, and one was in the house. And friends, I think that sometimes we fail to realize that when we fail to ask God to prepare us for the harvest, we can become crusty. We can become old and indifferent and cold in our hearts, in our spiritual lives. And at that moment, church becomes more about the fire under the coffee pot than the fire upon God's altar. It becomes more important for us to have whatever we need rather than to see life-changing transformation by the power of Jesus Christ. Woo, glory to God. We got to prepare for the harvest. You ready for number three? I hear you. Somebody's in their heart, dear God, let that preacher get done. I'm tired of hearing it today. But let me tell you something. When your tail hits the door, you will have heard the word of the Lord. We must prepare for the harvest. But number three, doesn't matter how much you prepare for the harvest if you don't sow for the harvest. Oh, my God, help me somebody. It is ludicrous to expect a harvest for a seed you have not sown for. Oh, my God, 
Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, before a farmer can get out there and reap a harvest, somebody has to have planted it. Now, granted, somebody else may have planted it. Jesus addressed that in another passage. He said, you're about to enter into another man's labor. He said, look up, because the field is white unto harvest. There are times where, where we may reap where another man is sown. That's why Paul said, some plant, some water. But it's God who gives the increase. But the truth is, my friend, if we're ever going to reap a harvest, we got to sow a seed. And Jesus told us in the parable of the sower that the seed is the word of God. Some seed fell upon thorny ground. Some fell by the wayside. Some were choked up by thorns and thistles. And others just fell away. And others, the birds, came and eat it up. But Jesus said there was a particular ground where that seed fell upon. And it produced 30, 60, and 100 fold. Friends, let me tell you, when you reach somebody for Christ, they will reach other people for Christ. Because saved people save people. Did y'all hear what I said? Saved people save people. I mean, if you're in love with your girlfriend, you tell the world about her. Hallelujah. Some of y'all shout for the, for, the, for the Super Bowl. Come on now. When we come to church, you say, oh, that's crazy. That's too much. That's too radical. We can't shout. We can't clap. Oh, no, we can't do that. But guess what? We don't mind doing that for the things of the world. Well, listen, if you want to see a soul saved, you got to sow for the harvest. You got to sow for the harvest. You got to do that. You got to open your mouth. You got to tell people about Jesus. There's an old quote years ago. It says, it says uh, preach the gospel, and when necessary, use words. I understand the sentiment, but it's a wrong philosophy. Because in the gospel, God sent an angel. And Peter said, there comes to you an angel who speaks to you words of everlasting life. Come on. The gospel is preached by words to be followed by corresponding actions. But it's not just enough for us to live lifestyle evangelism in front of people without opening our mouth to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. Woo. Somebody say you got to sow for it. Let me tell you about seed. Tell you about seed. You got different types of seed in the natural realm. You've got perianals and you've got different types of seeds. Some of it comes up seasonally, whatever different things. But just because you plant a seed doesn't, it, listen, it, it may not manifest in your face overnight. And I think that's where people miss it. They say, Pastor, I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to push them away from God. They're already away from God. They're not serving. If they died tomorrow, they'd go to hell. Who are you going to push them away from? You need to hear me this morning. You got a soul for the harvest, but guess what? You, you, when, you, when you minister to somebody, you may not see it overnight. And I got a word for you. You may not see it ever. But we're not responsible for the harvest. We're only responsible to sow the seed. Right? Because guess what? I heard of a story of a missionary. For all accounts and purposes, he would have been the biggest failure. He was in a, in a remote place in Africa, one of our AG missionaries. And he, he had to raise a big budget to go there. And, and, and he preached the gospel. Nobody showed up. 
He remembered the scripture that if my people don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. So he took six or seven plastic chairs and he lined them up and he placed rocks in the chairs and he preached to the rocks. And he preached and he preached and he preached and he preached and nobody got saved. The people were uh, hateful towards the gospel. In fact, it was a cannibalistic tribe. And if I understand the story right, the man ended up being devoured by cannibals. But what he didn't realize is, was the leader of the tribe, his grandson, was secretly listening to the preaching of the gospel. So the man thought he was preaching the empty chairs with rocks when there was a young man hidden behind a tree, a bush, listening to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And guess what happened? That missionary died, never seeing his harvest, but that grandson got up and led the whole village to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You may not see the seed in your lifetime, but your responsibility is to sow the seed for the harvest. Many of you gave in a missions offering this morning. You may never see that young Ethiopian boy or that young Tunisian girl uh, on this side of the face of eternity. But one day if you get to heaven, you're going to see Jesus face to face. And it wouldn't surprise me one bit if those young men and those young women come up to us and say, I'm here because you sowed for the harvest. Oh, hallelujah. Are you with me this morning? I'm just getting started. Got to sow for the harvest. Notice what Jesus said in verse 37. He said, then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful. 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 I want you to notice something. Every snap of your finger, somebody steps off into eternity. Every snap. Every snap. Think about it. If I was an entrepreneur, I'd go into the funeral home business. People are dying to go into that avenue. Come on, it's okay. You can laugh. Never have to worry about running out of business in a funeral home. Because people are going there, saved and lost. Got to think about it. Got to think about it. But you'll never reap a harvest for a seed you didn't sow. I see couples all the time, families devastated, ripped apart by loss, tragedies in their families. They meet around the table at the funeral home. I've been in the process of many of those over the last 16 and a half years. Families trying to make arrangements for their loved ones where they're full of regrets. Because maybe the son and the parent weren't on talking terms. Or maybe the siblings were at odds. And there's all types of regret. And regret is simply the acknowledgement of wishing that we would have done more. Tell you, the Bible talks about somebody like that. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells a story. It's not a parable, it's a real story. He said, there was a certain rich man and a beggar named Lazarus. The rich man fared sumptuously every day, and Lazarus ate crumbs from the rich man's table. And one day, the rich man died, and in hell he lifted up his eyes. The Bible says Lazarus also died, and he was escorted by the angels into Abraham's bosom, place of peace, paradise. 
He said, I could see them from afar off, but there was no crossing over. Once one person went to eternity, they were there forever. See, eternity is forever. I want you to understand this. The Bible records in Luke's gospel, which I had the reference for you this morning. Google it, I'm sure you'll find it. That the rich man, he said, please bring me a drop of water that I might cool my tongue in this flame. He said, I've got five brothers at home. Five. Would you go tell them? Tell them where I am so that they don't have to come here. He said, you've got Moses and the prophets. He said, if they won't receive Moses or the prophets, now they, will they receive the testimony of one who's raised back from the dead? It's a real place. But you've got to sow for the harvest. You've got to sow for it. I'm going to paint a picture in your mind this morning. Right here, right now. Time is it? 11.48, 43 seconds after the hour. Right now at this moment, if I were to collapse on this platform, my chin fell down to a lifeless chest. I began to convulse. How many of you would just stand there? Would you just stand there? Would you take your phone out? Would you video it for YouTube? Would you post it on Snapchat? Would you say, would you look at that? No, why? No, I know most people, even if they don't know CPR, most people I think are, you know, have a kind nature to them, help their fellow brother. Most people would run to my aid and try their best to revive me. Would you agree? Why don't we do that to the spiritually dead? How many of us pass by somebody every day who's spiritually in the same condition? Sure, they may be living, but they're already dead. They don't know Christ. Their sins have not been forgiven. They're dead men walking. How many times do we not sow the seed to the harvest? Got to sow the seed. Somebody say we got to sow the seed. Here's number four. You ready? We got to pray for the harvest. We got to pray for the harvest. And here's, here's the tricky one. Here's the tricky one. Jesus said this. The harvest is plentiful. But the. Help me. Help me out. The laborers are few. What are the laborers? The workers. The workers are few. What does harvest represent? Souls. What does harvest represent in the natural? Food. Sustenance. You know, isn't it interesting in church? This is true statistically across the board. In a church, no matter the size, whether they're 20 or 80 or 500 or 1,000 or even 10,000, statistically proven in a church, there's a principle called the 80-20 principle. That means that 20% of the people do all the, all the percent, 80% of the work. Some of you faithful ladies know what I'm talking about. 20% do 80% of the work, but everybody likes to come eat. What did Jesus say? 
The harvest is plentiful. It's a whole lot of food. But the laborers are few. It tells me we like to eat more than we like to work. If I had a hanky, I'd wave it. So what was Jesus' answer? He said, pray for the harvest. Pray that the Lord would send out laborers into his harvest. Now, you ready for this? And I'm getting ready to close. Here, here you go. You got to be careful when you start praying about the harvest. Because you start praying for the Lord to send out laborers. And he's going to send out you. Oh, man. Help me, Jesus. You know, we like to talk about this principle of sowing and reaping when it comes to finances. And I believe in him. I'm a, I'm a principal and a product of that. I'm way more blessed than I need to be. But, but let me tell you, it works in other ways too. Pray for the harvest. What's the harvest? The harvest is the wheat that has not been brought in yet. Jesus said in another, in another passage, after he talked to the woman at the well in John chapter 6, Jesus said this, he, or maybe John chapter 4, I don't remember, but in John chapter 4, one of those chapters, he was talking to the woman at the well, and, and he, he was talking about food. He said, uh, the disciples are freaking out. He's hungry. Somebody going to bring him some food. Jesus said, I've got food you don't know about. My food's to do the Father's business. And he calls his disciples in. He said, don't say four months to the harvest. Lift up your eyes. Look, the fields are already white to harvest. What does that mean? Brother Dwayne's here. He'll tell you. Other people will tell you who plant wheat, give or take a few days. Seed to maturity is four months. And after wheat gets to maturity, it begins to get white. But if you let it stay white too long, it gets corrupted. You lose a lot of your harvest. Bird, it cracks open. Birds come and eat it and take it away and those types of things. Here's what Jesus is saying. When Jesus, in a moment, everybody say in a moment, in a moment, in a moment, he finds a Samaritan woman at a well. He wasn't supposed to go that way, but he was led to go that way. He sees a woman drawing water. They have a dialect, they have a conversation, they exchange religious pleasantries. And then all of a sudden, he wins this Samaritan woman, a Samaritan and a woman. That's two strikes against her. She goes back to her city. She wins everybody to Christ. And they said, you know what, we've seen a man not just because of what you said, but we've seen him for ourselves. This woman goes, one person, so one person, one person. Reached one person, and that one person reached a whole city. Jesus pulled his disciples in. He said, don't say four months. You think you got all the time in the world. You don't. The only time we have is what's in front of us. Don't say four months to the harvest. Look up your eyes. Look at the harvest. What was point number one? He saw the harvest. Look at the harvest. For the fields are already white. See, we like to talk about the law of sowing and reaping, but here's what I want to tell you. Some of you are praying for your lost son, your lost daughter. They live in another town. And you're praying, God, save them. They won't listen to me. Their hearts are hardened. What you don't realize 
that when you're praying for the harvest, you're asking the Lord to send out laborers. God is working where we can't see it. Let me say it to you like this. Because you got a lost son in Timbuktu somewhere that's hard-headed and hard-hearted doesn't mean you can't minister to your neighbor's lost son and daughter. Because while you're sowing the seed for somebody else's child, God can cause somebody else to sow a seed for yours. Come on, somebody. And when we begin to pray and ask God, God, raise up a harvest. God's will, his desire is not for men to be lost. You've got to understand that. He didn't create hell for, for, for man. He created hell for Lucifer and his fallen angels and the revolt of heaven. But because of his righteousness and holiness, he can't look upon sin. So what did he do? He sent his son, Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what the great prophet Oprah says. Jesus is not just a way. He's the way. You cannot get there any other way. And listen, that way is not a four-lane highway. It's not Burger King. It's not have it your way. Jesus said the narrow way is, is very, very narrow. And few there be that find it. But friends, when you find it, there's everlasting life. But broad is the path that leads to destruction. Many, many, 18 out of 23, go in that way. This morning, I hope you have a heart for the harvest. I don't know about you. I'm not playing games no more. If it's not about souls, I don't want to do it. I want to reach people, disciple people, send them out, repeat the process. We've got to see the lost saved.